0: You're listening to the John Stapleton podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm talking about the Hebrew Israelites movement. And before, you might be wondering why I'm, I'm talking about this. And uh, I, I'll just be honest with you. I keep having these conversations with my mom uh, and some of my friends uh, that think that this is a new cool hip movement to join, and so uh, I I did my homework, and I'm going to show you why if you adhere to this movement, you're not a Christian. You've left Jesus, and um and listen, I I don't I I didn't want to research this. I I for the longest I I didn't care about this, but like mom, he just keeps sending me text after text after text, and I've told you I don't want to talk about this, but here we are. So today I'm going to talk about the Hebrew Israelites movement. And on Friday, I plan to be back and I'm going to talk about the black Hebrew Israelites. Uh, Believe it or not, they are different groups of people. Um, and, And the reason why I think this is necessary is because Christians are supposed to contend for the faith. If there is something out there that is going to rob you of your faith Rob you of your love for Jesus. I need to put a flame torch to it. That's what I'm going to do, and, uh, and, and 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 you know, listen. There's so many there's so many arguments like this one. There's so many topics like this one that I've really evaluated just why I'm doing this podcast and what direction it's going. And honestly, I have the heart of an apologist. An apologist is not someone that apologizes for what they say. Uh, but they defend what they say. They defend what they believe, and I've been looking at the, like the past ten episodes, and 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 it's been more defense. Uh, I've done Bible studies historically, and I, I still plan to do those. But you know, for the most part, the defense. We need more defense, and I would argue we need more offense. So I'm i been I'm this year I'm going to take uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to take this year. A, a, I'm gonna take this year and I'm gonna study church history. I'm gonna take this year and I'm gonna study the Quran. I'm gonna take this year and and really um, read the first, the primary sources, and um, so I can better defend this faith. Um, but hey, today we're talking about the Hebrew Israelites. Um, who are they? So. The Hebrew Israelites is a religious organization, a re- religious movement rather, um, that has merged the religions of Judaism and Christianity together. Um, they insist that we must be one, uh, we must become uh, a Hebrew Israelite first, a spiritual Israelite, before we could become a Christian. And, you know, if you think about it, the early church was sifting through the same. Issue. Let me just hit you with a verse here. Uh, this is Acts chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. It says, But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you, are circum- <clears throat> unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension, there was a big blow up over it. And debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So what was happening was Jesus was a Jew. The 12 disciples were Jews and Jesus, Jesus' ministry was to Israel. He didn't travel more than 200 miles from his hometown. He never left the land of Israel. And at one point in his ministry, Jesus says, I came only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so where does that leave Gentiles? Well, Gentiles are included because if you read that same story, this is the story about, I think it's a Syrophoenician woman who had a sick daughter. And uh, and, and, and and Jesus responds to her and says, hey, I cannot take the bread and give it to the dogs, right? I, I cannot take what's meant for Israel and give it to someone who's a, who's a Gentile, an outsider. And she says, yes, even the Gentiles, even the outsiders, even the dogs, Eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. What is she what she's saying is, I'll accept anything. I'm just humble and I just I know you're the Lord and I know you can heal her. And I I just choose to believe that you know you're also for the Gentiles. And guess what Jesus did? Heal her. Heal her. If you do a chronological study of the life of Jesus. Most of the Gospel of John takes place during the third year of Jesus' ministry. And in the third year of Jesus' ministry, guess where he is? He's, he's, he's in Capernaum. He's in, um, he's in the district of Tyre. He's, he's in these Gentile-like regions, gen- Gentile-ruled regions. Why? Because the light needs to go to the darkness, that's why. And whether it's darkness in Judaism or darkness in paganism, it's the same thing. Um, But back to the Hebrew Israelites movement. Instead of saying Jesus, the Latin version of of his name, uh, they insist that we say Yeshua. Yeshua is one way to pronounce it, by the way. Uh, Yeshua is actually a, a derivative of the word Joshua. But they argue, well, they would have called... Jesus Yeshua. So we need to call him Yeshua. Um, they don't celebrate Christmas or Easter. They have no statement of faith or main leader. They don't all agree on which laws from the Torah to obey. That's that's interesting. I mean, they insist on one law theology. One law theology. Which simply put, someone, you know, everyone needs to obey the law of Moses as a way of life. Okay, so, um, you know, they accept ritual washing, and they accept temple worship, and they accept sacrifice, animal sacrifices. But again, which, which laws do we obey? Well, I guess it depends on what denomination you are a part of. It's starting to look a little bit more like the church. Um, in addition to one law theology, they also hold two-house theology. Two-house theology is basically this. Um, that the Lost Tribes of the House of Israel would be restored. They would come back to their land and they'd be identified. And that two, the, they preached that Christianity has been influenced and affected by Gentiles. Herbert Armstrong founded the Worldwide Church of God and taught that to become a Christian, you must become a faithful Israelite. And the Worldwide Church of God disbanded in the, in the 90s. What's the problem with this movement? It's deconstruction. It's a form of deconstruction. I cannot be clearer today. If you consider yourself to be a Hebrew Israelite, you've left your faith in Jesus. Now you can come back, but you can't have two at the same time. As mentioned before, this movement blends Judaism and Christianity together. And perhaps you know some people accept this belief out of an overreaction to the popular teaching that we need to unhitch from the old Testament. And that's on the church. I, I admit that that's on the church, but let me, let me warn you anytime you, uh, this is syncretism. This is syncretism. This is when you take two opposing beliefs that should not, not even be in the same sentence and you mix them together to form a new belief. So what they'll do is, uh, they'll take the Bible and they'll, they'll, they'll look at it as one book and even though it is one book, uh, as far as the canon of scripture, you cannot say that it's one covenant because there's actually many covenants in the Bible. There's the Adamic covenant, the Noach, uh, the 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 covenant for Noah, the covenant for Moses, the covenant for David, covenant, um, uh, the new covenant. So which one are we talking about? And if you go back and you read Hebrews eight seven through three, um, Uh, through 13, this is abundantly clear. In fact, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read this to you because I don't want you to miss this. Whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Here's what they said. Um, It says that the, let me start up in verse 6 here. Um, It says, as it is, Christ has obtained a better ministry that is Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall not teach one to another in each One to his brother saying, "Know the Lord, for they all will know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Verse 13 is key. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Here's what he's saying. The new covenant replaced the old covenant the old covenant was broken not by god but by people this is why it says that he found fault with his law not because his law was morally imperfect in fact the law is so marvelous that some of you actually want to go back to it it wasn't that but it was it was imperfect in the sense that it was a it was an agreement that people could break and so what god says is i'm going to establish a new covenant through my son jesus and he is going to carry forward the terms of this agreement. And so that this agreement cannot be broken. You see the difference? And again, just verse 13, it says, what is new replaces the old. So you can't have old and new covenant. It's like having a trust and having the original version in the amendment and saying, we apply by both terms. No, you can't. The new terms... Replace the old terms. Same God, same family, same covenant love. (sighs) Also, they demand that we say Yeshua instead of Jesus. Here's the issue. We don't know exactly how they said it. We don't know exactly how they said it, and it's confusing. It it promotes an uh, unnecessary sense of tribalism. Because most of God's family, most of the church, they say Jesus. And if you were to say Yeshua, that's very confusing. And it doesn't matter. And I just want to point this out too. You can be throwing Jesus' name around, but if you're not authorized to use it, it's not a good idea. Go read the seven sons of Sceva in Acts 19, verses 11 through 16. This, this is stupid. This is stupid. And here's what's more ridiculous. They reject anyone. They reject teaching from anyone who's not them. So it's the circular way of arguing where we're not even going to consider the other side because they're Gentiles and they're automatically wrong. Now, I'm all for making distinctions. I'm all for boundaries. I'm all for not letting everybody have a mic. But seriously, you cannot discriminate on the basis of race. When when God encourages people in the Old Testament not to not not to marry the nations, this was not because they were of a different nation. God's plan was to bless all the families of the earth. He he made that prohibition because they worship different gods. And if they marry those nations, they're going to turn away, just like King Solomon did, just like King Solomon did. So he says, hey, don't 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 do this don't do this you'll lose love for the real god and and so i mean you can just you can just tell where this is going they don't consider the church as god's people they don't and in addition, like, why wouldn't you celebrate Christmas and Easter? They will, they will, they will then adopt the secular arguments that, well, you know, Jesus wasn't really born on Christmas. Well, you know, um, Easter doesn't really matter because you know we don't we don't observe the Last Supper. We don't acknowledge the death of Jesus. We don't we don't do that. Okay, well then, you're not a Christian. How can you also adopt the new covenant? You cannot. It falls apart in your practice. It falls apart in your practice. This is also a weak movement because it works just like a cult. They don't try to proselytize people who don't have any faith. They only try to target they only target people who are Christians, who are professing Christians. And I'll just speak from experience, black Christians. It's very insidious. If your idea was legitimate, you would you would proselytize everybody. Unless, of course, you think there are people that are beyond hope and beyond your cause. And there are, but you've made that distinction based on race. The Bible doesn't do that. And this goes directly against the apostles' decision to not make it hard for the Gentiles who are turning to God. So again, back to Acts 15, the church deliberates over this. They talk about this. Let me just read this to you. It's a bit, um, it's Acts 15, verses 7 through 11. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the, day, in the, uh, in the early days, God made a choice among you that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. Skipping down to verse 16. After this, uh, Peter quotes this, After this I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins. I will restore it that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who make these things known from old. Therefore, verse nineteen. This is key. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. Here's what he's saying. This is so. This is so cool. In verses sixteen and seventeen, um, this is a quotation from uh, from from the prophet Amos and from the prophet Jeremiah, and he's saying. I'm going to rebuild the fallen tent of David, right? I'm going to restore the house of Israel. I'm going to restore the kingdom to Israel. And the way the apostles are reading it, they notice verse 17, all the Gentiles who are called by my name will seek the Lord. So included in that fallen tent are the Gentiles. And we are fools if we don't make it unnecessarily difficult if we make it unnecessarily difficult for them to turn to God and um, and I would say this the strongest argument to consider is the Apostle Paul you've left the Christian faith if you adopt this mindset this is Galatians 5, 2-4 through 4. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. But verse 4, You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You are severed from Christ, and Christ is of no advantage to you, you who would be justified by the law. The reason why the Hebrew Israelites movement is a damnable heresy, a cult, something that you should steer far away from, is because you cannot accept the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. When you accept the Old Covenant, you reject the... the, When you accept the Old Covenant, you reject the New Covenant. You disrespect Jesus. You you despise his sacrifice. And that's when you place your faith in something that cannot save you, and you'll be deceived to the very end. Don't believe this. Don't believe this. This is wrong. This is a parasite that leeches on the teaching of the gospel. And uh, Paul says in Galatians 1, if anybody comes along preaching a different gospel than the one that you received from Paul, the apostle Paul, they're cursed. They're cursed. So consider this a warning, mom and those who are listening. If you adopt this belief, you're not a Christian. I don't consider you to be one. You need to really carefully consider what it is you are agreeing to because you cannot have both. I hope I'm being clear this morning. I think that's enough for today. Uh, I plan to be back Friday, and, uh, and we'll be talking about the black Hebrew Israelites. So consider that a part two. Until then, God bless.